0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Join now here on the flagship podcast interview by Lance Taylor a longtime radio voice in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, you can now hear him on uh, nextroundlive.com. Is that right, Lance?
1: That's right, Chip. Yeah, we're, uh, we're working through everything right now. We've got the website. It's up and running right now. YouTube channel. We invite everybody to uh, jump on there, follow us, subscribe, like it, all that good stuff. And uh, the app is getting
0: currently built, so we'll be live 9 to 1 starting August 16th. I love it. Everyone can, uh, can hear you across the SEC and across this uh, great planet of ours. Lance Taylor used to work at uh, the same station where Paul Feinbaum used to work. And, uh, and Lance, you're one of the authorities on the SEC. And so that's why we wanted to come to you because you've had almost a week now to digest this notion of Texas and Oklahoma Uh, coming to the SEC, whether it's 2025 or earlier. Um, What is your take on this from, from the moment you heard it until right now here on Monday when Texas and Oklahoma have notified the Big 12 they don't plan to renew their grant of rights in that conference?
1: Yeah, Chip, I don't know why anything should shock us in 2021, but I was shocked by this. And we had the commissioner on the show last Thursday And one of the first questions we asked him was about this because I guess it was the day after the Houston Chronicle had reported this and Ross Bjork totally freaked out, but Greg Sankey just kind of gave us one of those looks like we're not going to talk about this. And so we kind of moved on. You could tell something was there, um, but I'm completely blown away by it. And I'm still trying to just process it. And, you know, we, we we're at the point now we've got a super conference and, I still am, you know, again, trying to process why Texas and Oklahoma, those brands need the SEC. And again, I know the SEC is the bar and all of the uh, institutions got 45 and dollars each. They got that check just stroked to them. Um, and I also understand Texas has never been in a college football playoff. Oklahoma's never won a game in a college football playoff. This will help recruiting. Um, but at the same time, Oklahoma was completely dominating the Big 12 and they were making plenty of money and they were going to a college football playoff. Um, so you know now Oklahoma comes over, and look, I know they're going to be really good this year, Chip. But in most years, Oklahoma is going to be the third, fourth, fifth best team in the SEC.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, uh, that's it is. It's fascinating to follow the logic of the leadership of both of these uh, founding members of the Big Twelve. What do you think? Um, does it excite you to think about the SEC adding these brands? Um, and what you, you've got listeners from across the sec, who do you think, I mean, obviously Texas A&M, you mentioned Ross Bjork, the athletic director at A&M, uh, he told folks at sec media days, A&M wants to be the only school from Texas in the sec. How do you think this plays out? And I mean, there's still a vote that needs to be taken and 11 of the 14 schools have to uh, vote to admit Texas and OU. Well, look, as a fan, I'm excited about it. I go back to 2020,
1: and it was such an abnormal year, but we had that 10-game SEC conference-only schedule, and it was awesome. Um, and, you know, we didn't have – you know, you look at LSU's schedule. After they open against UCLA this year, they've got McNeese State and then Central Michigan. You know, once we get to a 16-team super conference, you're not going to have those games anymore. And so to have, you know, LSU and Texas every year, and you saw that series just a couple of years ago, and to have – you know Georgia and Oklahoma you know going back to that college football maybe the best college football playoff semifinal game that we've had up to up to this date you know those are exciting for fans so you know I think that's awesome you know you and I had a conversation earlier about what this does to game day especially for teams like Oklahoma and Texas you know instead of going to Kansas State now you get to go to Baton Rouge so from a fan's perspective I think it's awesome
0: when you look at the the politics in the SEC uh, Texas was very much a driver of what was going on in the Big 12. What's Texas in for in the SEC from a from a power structure standpoint? They're moving from a conference based in Dallas to a conference based in Birmingham.
1: Well, you know, I think Texas um, over the last few years, you know, maybe the ego has gotten, gotten flattened a little bit just with Oklahoma's dominance. But now you're coming into a league – where it is all Alabama. Georgia's trying to climb that mountain, but they are a borderline elite program. LSU, you know, had that out, kind of the outlier 2019 where they go 15 and 0. Uh, Texas is, is going to be at the back of the line here. You know, I mean, obviously it's a huge brand. We know things are cyclical. Uh, Texas, ultimately, Alabama fans know this, you know, back to the, the Mike Chula and Mike Dubos years. Um, you know, Texas is trying to crawl out of that. And maybe Steve Sarkeesian is the guy that gets them there. But right now, you know, if I had to, you know, list power, you know, I go Alabama, I go uh, Georgia, I go Florida, Oklahoma would probably be right there.
0: LSU, Texas is middle of the pack right now. Yeah. And Greg Sankey, as the commissioner, how how would you describe his ruling uh, style in the SEC and and how how respected is he?
1: Uh, He is well respected. You know, Mike Slive is one of the best we've ever seen. Um, you know, that's just one of those overwhelming jobs, but Greg Sankey walked right in and commanded a ton of respect. And I think, you know, um, everybody that has had any ongoings with Greg Sankey, they they love the guy and he's got, you know, a dry sense of humor, but he's a guy that's all about balance. And, you know, that's another thing that is so intriguing about this. I don't think Texas and Oklahoma, you know, are used to balance. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, there was a time where, you know, the Big 12, the revenue structure was totally different. You know, in, in the SEC, Vanderbilt was getting paid the exact same amount of money as Alabama. Now, look, I mean, the money that the SEC is generating now, everybody's getting rich. So I don't think that will matter as much. But again, you just wonder about, you know, the the ego of Texas coming into a league like this.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no question that uh, in the Big 12, each school has been allowed to uh, market their own third tier rights. And Texas had the Longhorn Network and uh, never Never uh, to be seen again. Uh, One school deal with ESPN, 20 years, $300 million. Um, Most of that money is still to be paid over the next decade. So, uh, Texas sources tell me they're willing to let go of that uh, to be in the SEC, to be better positioned for the future because of all the changes uh, that could be coming to college athletics. Um, From that standpoint, Uh, Lance, you know, from with ESPN inking the new deal with the SEC effective in 2024, ending a long time relationship between CBS and the SEC. um, How do fans look at that as I mean, is was there any any kind of emotional attachment to the relationship with CBS? How how do fans in the SEC look at uh, where the TV deals are going in the SEC?
1: Uh, you know, everybody's gonna follow, but you know, it was kind of a running joke for years, Vern Lundquist and Gary Danielson and our listeners would take their shots at those guys. But you know, there's something about that CBS jingle 230, that big game, normally the biggest game in college football that day. I think people are gonna miss that. I mean, it's it's nostalgic. Um, and you know, that was that was my cue back when I was a little younger, Chip. I would go, I would start with beer at 11 a.m. And when I would hear the CBS jingle, that was my cue for bourbon. Now I have to wait for the sunsets. Um, but, you know, I think people will miss CBS.
0: What um, you know, tell, tell Texas fans, big 12 fans, what they're in for. If indeed Texas and Oklahoma are admitted to the sec, what, what can they expect going into all of the different game day situations?
1: Uh, it's incredible. And I know you've experienced it before, and I've been trying to get you to an iron bowl and we've still got to do that, but it's, it's like every game is big. And again, going back to 2020, um, you know, with that 10 game conference schedule, it was just, it was incredible. Um, but college game day, look, you get it at certain places around the big 12. I've been to Norman. I've never actually been to a game in Austin before. Um, but I've seen the game day at Norman and it's, it's got a semblance of the sec. It's just, every game is big and everybody's week is built around game day. It's, it's just, it's incredible. And, you know, that's one thing that you know with the the history of both of those programs coming into the SEC you know the fan base and you've been to Oklahoma Texas that game at the fairgrounds every year that's what it's going to be like you know every other week because these games will be
0: that massive let's take a quick break here on the flagship podcast interview with Lance Taylor of nextroundlive.com um we'll be right back here on the flagship podcast We're back now on the flagship podcast with Lance Taylor of nextroundlive.com, a uh, longtime radio voice in Birmingham, Alabama, the home of the SEC. And Lance, when you look at uh, the future of the SEC, it all revolves around Nick Saban. He's been unbelievable. He loses coordinators, but his team keeps going back uh, to the playoff, winning national championships. Steve Sarkeesian, his his last offensive coordinator uh, is now the head coach at Texas, um, and and Heck Bill O'Brien is the offensive coordinator at Alabama, the former Houston Texans head coach. I mean, this mastery that Saban and Alabama have had over SEC over the SEC and college football. How do you describe it, and how has Nick Saban been able to sustain it? I get, um, I'm guilty
1: of the guy that, you know, gives, you know, definitives 100% we'll never see this again. I I just don't think we'll ever see it again. And, you know, the guy that introduced you and I, uh, Ian Fitzsimmons of ESPN, him and I were doing the show together when Nick Saban was hired. And that was back in 2007. And you remember the deal he got when he was getting paid, what, 3 or $4 million a year, and people thought it was blasphemous that that a college football coach could make that type of money. And when he took the job, and I said, look, I think Nick Saban is one of these guys, and it was probably an unfair label, or it was an unfair label, because 15 years later, here he still is. But I said he'll probably hang out for four or five years, but he'll win a national championship. And, you know, in in that third year, he was able to win that national championship. And, I mean, this thing is just – it's airtight – um, complete streamlined, and it's just a machine. And, you know, although they only return three offensive starters, I think they're going to be your, you know, I don't want to say consensus number one in the AP and the coaches poll, but they're going to be your number one team coming out. And, you know, the expectation when you start to look at the schedule is I think they're going to be double digit favorites in 11 of the 12 games. You know, the one exception would be October 9th when they had to Kyle field to take on Texas A&M, you know, that number could be seven, eight, or nine. But, you know, Alabama, and and this is an amazing stat. And, you know, you and I have probably brought this up at some particular time. Alabama has been favored in 152 of their last 153 games. And I just, I've just never seen anything like this. I mean, going back to last year, this is a team that scored almost 49 points per game against 10 SEC teams, Notre Dame in Ohio state. I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible. It used to be all about defense with Nick Saban. He is a guy that has been able to adapt, evolve. Um, he's the complete master. He's in my opinion, you know, people can talk about John Wood and Nick Saban is the greatest coach to ever live.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's phenomenal and how he, you know, continues to attract, um, well, he's got his, his former coaches society that he brings in as analysts and usually, Uh, His next coordinator, if someone gets picked off, comes from his former coaches society. But what do we make of him hiring Bill O'Brien, the former Texans head coach, as offensive coordinator? O'Brien has no small ego either. No, no, he doesn't. Now, he did get out of that mess with the
1: Texans now. Uh, the whole Deshaun Watson situation, and that probably will be the worst team in the NFL this year. But it doesn't matter who the coordinator is. And, look, these guys need to really thank Nick Saban because Steve Sarkeesian, I don't know where Sarkeesian would be um, if Nick Saban wouldn't have given him that second opportunity to come in as an analyst and then ultimately become the offensive coordinator. Now he's, you know, heading up one of the premier programs of college football right there in your backyard. Um, You know, I think Bill O'Brien's going to be fine. You saw what he was able to do with, you know, a bad situation at Penn State for two years where he went 15 and nine. Um, he's really good with quarterbacks. And you just think about the amass of talent that Nick Saban's going to give him, the toys he will have to play with. Uh, Bill O'Brien's never had this in his career. You can't mess this up, Jeff. That's my point. You cannot <laughs> mess this up. Like, I think I could call plays. I was a pretty decent play caller on Madden. I think if you, I, I, honestly, I think with Alabama's offenses, I could get them around 35 to 40 points a game. And with that defense, I could, I could, I could be the OC and I think we could go
0: 11 and one. What uh, we'll get back to uh, Steve Sarkeesian here in a minute. What other teams are on your radar in the sec uh, as someone who could either challenge Alabama in the West or uh, who comes out of the East?
1: Uh, You know, I look at Texas A&M and uh, I think I've told you before, I'm not a huge Jimbo guy. I think Jimbo is a good coach. Um, Is he worth $7.5 million a year? I don't think he has been yet. People can point to 9-1, and one, and a lot of people will argue they should have been in a college football playoff last year. That 9-1, and one, they just – it didn't seem like a top-five team to me. I don't know how you felt about it. But, you know, with 17 or 16 returning starters, if they get quarterback right, whether it's, you know, Hayes King or if it's uh, Calzada, um, you know, if they get quarterback right, I think A&M is going to be extremely dangerous. And when you start to look at the schedule – um, they're going to be undefeated when they play Alabama and that's going to be a matchup of top five teams more than likely and if they're able to get by Alabama they've still got LSU to end the season but Texas AM is that one game that I think Alabama's got scheduled or got circled right now
0: yeah that's uh this is uh, as good as well again quarterback having a quarterback question is is significant but uh, Jimbo has has developed quarterbacks. Heck, Jameis Winston, I think, won a national championship as a redshirt freshman.
1: Well, and yeah. I think that was the kind of the outlier. Look, Jimbo had some good years at, at Florida State, but when he had that elite talent in Jameis, you saw he was able to go on and win a national championship. Um, you know, LSU is another team, though, you know, talking about teams that could challenge Alabama. You know, it's hard to say that based on the 5-5 five and five last year, but you go back two years ago, they were 15-0. and 0. They don't have Joe Burrow, but I like both quarterbacks. I ultimately think Max Johnson's going to be the guy based on what I saw at the end of the year, but Miles Brennan is, is very capable. And with 18 returning starters, you know, after that off year, last year, I mean, this is going to be, you know, will the real Ed Orgeron please stand up? You know, is it, is it more 15 and 0 is it more five and five? I think LSU based on their schedule, I think they're going to be favored in probably 11 games, maybe not against Ole Miss on the road. They definitely won't be favored in Tuscaloosa, but they'll be favored in 10 or 11 games. So just by that, you know, I think they've got an outstanding shot to win nine or 10 games. Uh,
0: staying in the SEC West for a second, talking to Lance Taylor of nextroundlive.com, longtime radio voice in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Texas goes to Arkansas September 11th. Arkansas three and seven, bunch of starters back. What, uh, What do you see happening in that game? blown away with what Sam Pittman did last year uh the expectation literally when
1: we went through when we put over-unders and I think Vegas had their over-under last year in that 10 game 10 game schedule at one I put it at a half and I leaned under I thought they would go 0-10 when you go back and you really dissect 2020 they should have been five and five they got completely robbed in that Auburn game yeah um you know it's just it they're gonna be a difficult out I think when you look at the entirety of the SEC West I think one of the more difficult things to do in college football this year, at least going into the season, Chip, is to predict who is going to be that seventh, that team that comes in dead last. Now, the SEC media, they they said it's going to be Arkansas. um, But that Arkansas team last year, they had a chip on their shoulder. If KJ Jefferson can be consistent at quarterback, uh, you know, with Smith in that backfield, uh, Traylon Burks is one of the best wide receivers, not only in the SEC, but he's one of those guys that can make a mark nationally this year. Um, You know, the defense gave up a ton of points last year, 35 points per game, but they were hard-nosed, man. They were—they hit you, and you start to look at those linebackers with Bumper Pool and Grant Morgan. I mean, Arkansas could be improved this year, Chip, but could win less games if that makes any sense. They've got the toughest schedule in college football, but that week two game, September 11th, that is going to be a difficult game for Sark. And, you know, I think Texas will be a a four-and-a-half, five-point favorite. Eileen Arkansas keeps that one one possession.
0: Interesting. Yeah, and Bumper Pool, probably one of the best names in college football. That uh, Arkansas defense, you mentioned it, run by Barry Odom uh, with the three-deep safety and keep everything in front of you and just they force you to be really, really patient, force you to run it, really. Um, That's going to be a lot of fun. And in in a lot of ways, that's going to be – The first indicator of where Texas might fit in the SEC because uh, uh, Arkansas is picked to finish last in the SEC West, as you pointed out. Okay, what about in the SEC East? What do you see? I mean, um, you know, Oklahoma smashed Florida in the Cotton Bowl last year. Uh, Georgia, you mentioned. What do you see happening in the SEC East?
1: I think it's Georgia's division to win. I would be, and I told somebody this yesterday, um, I would be shocked if we don't see Alabama-Georgia in the SEC championship game. I I really would be. And I think with Georgia, you know, although they only returned five on the defensive side, I think the defense could ultimately be better. I mean, you go back to 2019, they gave up less than 13 points per game. They led the nation in rushing defense last year. Um, With those five returning starters, I think the defense will be better. Um, The offense, they finally got a quarterback in JT Daniels and he got a full offseason. So, you know, I think working with Todd Munkin, this offense is going to be much better than 32 points per game. They can lose that Clemson game, run the table, play Alabama for an opportunity to uh, get to the college football playoff. Or they can just run the table in the regular season, play Alabama, lose and still get in the college football playoff. So to me, it's Georgia and everybody else in the east. I shouldn't doubt Dan Mullen. Um, that was one of the best four-loss teams I've seen in a long time, especially on the offensive side of the ball, averaging 40 points per game. He finally had you know, a really, really good quarterback, the best quarterback that's been at Florida since Tim Tebow last year and Kyle Trask. We'll see if Emery Jones can be that guy this year. Um, a lot of people believe Emory Jones. You won't miss a beat. He's only got 86 career snaps, though, under his belt. Um, so I'm just not sold on Florida with 10 returning starters – um, and, you know, kind of the unknown with Emory Jones. But I, I definitely think it's Georgia and everybody else right now.
0: What did you make of Nick Saban uh, dropping that uh, Bryce Young, the quarterback who has not uh, really even taken the field yet for Alabama, uh, being close to a million dollars in NIL earnings? At, and he did it at the Texas High School Coaches Association meeting in San Antonio. Uh, what did you make of that?
1: Look, Nick Saban knows exactly what he's doing. Um, and, you know, it, just imagine being a, a five-star quarterback, 16-year-old in California, and hearing that a quarterback in Bryce Young that has never started the game and his college career is already a millionaire. So Bryce has already got more money than me and you, Chip. <laughs> according to Nick Saban. Oh, so it's just, it's genius for him to lay it out there. I don't know how believable it is. Um, you know, I've talked to some different people that, you know, are, are working on that whole name image and likeness, which is kind of the wild, 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 wild West right now. Um, and, you know, people just don't know where, where the marketplace is, you know, what are these guys that are endorsing these pro- products really worth? Um, the bar hasn't been set. The market hasn't been set. But if Bryce Young has already made a million dollars, God bless him. Good for him. But I did think it was genius on Nick Saban to drop that because everybody was talking about it. And trust me, all of those 15, 16, 17 year olds that Nick Saban has already you know, stood in their living room. Those guys, they're taking notice.
0: Yeah, no question about it. And I think that's part of the reason that Texas and Oklahoma are interested in joining the SEC. All right, back to Steve Sarkeesian for a minute. What were your dealings with him while he was at Alabama? What did you think of him? Um, and, and then we'll get to your thoughts now.
1: Okay, so I've never had a conversation with Sark, but that's the way Nick Saban kind of does this. I mean, it's one voice, you know, one program, one voice. It's his voice. Um, you don't have assistants on. We never had assistants on. So I never had a conversation with him. I thought he was a great play caller. I've always said that about Sarkeesian. As far as a head coach, you know, he underwhelmed me. You know, I watch a lot of USC football from Washington to USC. Um, you know, I, I, I thought the USC job was too big for him at that time. I think he's grown a lot as a coach. And we'll see how much he's known, uh, learned under Nick Saban. Um, you know, I don't have the expectation. You know, one of my co-hosts, Jim Dunaway, who you know, he believes that Sark will have Texas in a college football playoff in the next couple of years. Now, I will say that I thought Tom Herman was going to have Texas in a college football playoff. And I completely – that was a swing and a miss – um, I think Sark's offense is going to be fun. I think Texas will be improved. Do I think that Texas is going to be Alabama-like in the next four or five years? I don't, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, Texas is certainly banking on the fact that he'll, he'll be competitive at the highest level um, as their athletic department uh, starts to have that winning culture again. It, it was gone for, for years under Steve Patterson and then Mike Perrin, but with Chris Del Conte, Jay Hartzell. And Kevin Eltyfe as the Regents chair, they are uh, moving in the right direction, bringing in Chris Beard as as the basketball coach. Let me get your thoughts on basketball and the SEC and where Chris Beard and Texas might fit into that scene.
1: Well, look, I really respect. I mean, obviously you saw what he was able to do with Texas Tech uh, playing for the national championship and, you know, uh, really close you know, throughout that second half against Virginia and an opportunity to win a national championship. And now with the resources, again, swing and a miss, I thought Shaka Smart would, would actually turn the corner and do a better job than Rick Barnes. And maybe we've discounted how good of a coach Rick Barnes is with what he's been able to do at Tennessee. But I think Texas basketball has an opportunity in the SEC, which was kind of Kentucky and everyone else in Florida had their moments Um, I think Chris Beard is just a hell of a coach and I think he's already, you know, if they were in the sec tomorrow, he's probably one of the top four or five coaches in that league immediately. So I think Texas will just be just fine with basketball. You know, it is becoming a much better basketball conference. When you look at what Nate Oates has been able to do at Alabama, obviously Bruce Pearl in a final four, that same final four with Chris Beard just a couple of years ago. So basketball is getting better. Calipari, I don't think is going anywhere. Although Kentucky wasn't very good last year. Um, You know, I I think it's to me, Texas right now with Chris Beard. And again, I like that Chris Beard hire more than the Sarkeesian hire. I think they're going to have more
0: success in basketball, but we'll see. All right. We'll let you uh, we'll let you go on this. Uh, What do you think the rest of the Big 12 should do? Um, Wave a white flag and run for cover. I have no idea, Chip.
1: I mean, what is the big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma? Yeah. I mean, who is your premier school? I mean, you know, I, I say that half jokingly, but I really, I don't know who the alpha is now. Is it Oklahoma state? Right. Yeah. I mean, so I, you know, I don't know what they do. Um, I guess you go out you try to find some members, you try to find, you know, Houston, I know would love to jump into a, a power five, uh, Cincinnati, central Florida, you know, geography means nothing now. We all know that. Um, I, I would go out and try to grab some of these great, really group five, you know, uh, teams, elite teams, you know, Boise State. I don't think Boise State's been mentioned. I don't know if that would be a possibility. But I think the Big 12 is going to have to get creative um, if they want to keep this thing together.
0: Yeah. Does it make more sense? You, you're a big USC guy. Um, does it make more sense for the for the Pac-12 to become the Pac-20 and and merge with the remaining eight schools? Yeah, I mean, I think the Pac-12 is going to have to do something. And, you know, they've said,
1: hey, look, we're opening. We would listen to any schools. And, you know, obviously Oklahoma and Texas, if you have an opportunity to go to the SEC as opposed to the Pac-12, you're going to do that. But, boy, if I was the Pac-12, I would offer Texas and Oklahoma about anything I could to get them to jump on board. But, yeah, I think the Pac-12, I mean, look, if we've got this super conference in the SEC of 16 teams, Pac-12, ACC, they've got to follow suit. You've got to find a way to get there as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great stuff with Lance Taylor. Follow him on Twitter at the Lance Taylor and uh, check out the the show. I mean, if look if Texas is headed to the SEC, you're gonna you're gonna have to be listening to nextroundlive.com. Um, and Lance, yeah, tell tell the folks again uh, how they can find you and and what's uh, what's coming. Yeah,
1: nextroundlive.com right now on the website. Uh, YouTube channels up. We're building the app. It will be up. We will be live every day nine to one, starting August sixteenth. So jump on board. Uh, we would appreciate everybody at least sampling and and seeing what they think. Hey, you got to get ready for the SEC. We will get your listeners ready for the SEC chip. And I'm excited because we get more interaction with you. You know, I was on your show every Wednesday to talk a little SEC
0: football. Now we'll just do a home and home. I know it. It's going to be great. It's uh, it is incredibly exciting for this uh, to be happening. Lance, we look forward to many, many more conversations. Thanks so much for joining us here on the flagship podcast interview for Lance Taylor. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24 seven. Thanks everybody for listening. And until next time, stay safe and keep the faith